Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. You may have seen a flurry of activity on the Voices social channels over the last couple weeks announcing the winners of the Voicey Awards. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the awards and also hear from David Kaplan, winner of the Best Male Voice Actor Award, who joins me on the line from his studio in New York. Now, if you've not heard of the Voices before, these awards are given out by Voices.com each year to recognize voice actors for their hard work, talent, and success. The Voicey Awards are unique compared to typical performance awards in that the winners are decided based on internal data from Voices, showing us rising stars in their respective voiceover specialties. Now, voice actors and coaches often advise honing your skills for the niches you're best suited for. Now, if there ever was a product of successfully implementing that advice, it is winning a Voicey Award. VoiceOver isn't just about having a great voice. We say this all the time. Now, to be successful in VoiceOver, it requires talent, not just to be a voice artist, but a recording engineer and someone with a business mindset. Now, in addition to remarkable talent, these technical and entrepreneurial traits are also exemplified by Voicey Award recipients. So you could say that success in voiceover boils down to the melding of artistic, technical, and business talent to rise to the top of your game. And with that said, let's jump into our interview. Now, David, it is so good to talk to you today. Welcome to Vox Talk. It is so nice to be here and to hear your voice. We haven't spoken in quite some time, so thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. David has been a professional voice actor for over 16 years and a member of Voices since 2009. Hard to believe that's so long ago, but it's awesome. And since joining the site, David, you have completed over 2,700 jobs on Voices and have received over 2,000 five-star reviews working with some of the world's biggest brands. Most recently, as we've said here, you have won the 2021 Voicey Award for Best Male Voice Actor. And these awards are actually based on data and they are given to, in this case, the Best Male Voice Actor Award is given to the male voice actor who has booked the most jobs on Voices over the course of the last calendar year. So, wow. Like, I mean, David, you just keep booking. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I'm so thrilled that you're here with us today. And uh, as I was saying a bit earlier before we got on to the show, that it has been a while since we last saw each other. And I, I think it was probably at VO Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. It was VO Atlanta six years ago. And the only reason I know it's six years ago is because these Facebook postings just came up like yesterday and today with some images. And otherwise, I would not know that it was six years ago. Don't you just love it when those memories bubble up to the top? Oh, this is what happened five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's good. And sometimes those embarrassing moments, you don't want to pop up again. Right, but some good memories nonetheless. Like I, I know I, I saw a few um, View Atlanta ones pop up on mine as well and in other events over the years, like the Voice Conference uh, that I know Penny Abshire and, and Jim used to do. Uh, oh, so, boy, yeah. you know what? That's, that's my first public speaking engagement in the world of VO was with Penny and James out in L.A. It was also my first trip out to L.A. and I was on a panel. I was still so young and so green in the business but I had started to have early success and people were really clamoring to know what my secrets to success were. So they flew me out to LA and, and put me on a panel and um, it's a long time ago, that's for sure. It's 12 years ago or so. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. It absolutely was. And I think we'll probably talk about that a little more as we go along in our conversation. But yeah, James Alberger, Penny Abshire, just 
those conferences, I think they were like the first ones that actually brought the voiceover community together. And there were just so many amazing people that they managed to bring in to have chats with up on the stage and and so on. So yeah, like it's been a while. And I know for a lot of everybody who's listening here, it has been a while since maybe you've gone to any event whatsoever, let alone, you know, View Atlanta or, or somewhere else. So, so glad to have this virtual community here with everyone. And uh, again, congratulations, David, on being a Voicey Award winner. It's amazing. Thank you. When I found out I had won the award, you know, I, I suffer from something called imposter syndrome, where it's hard to believe that where I am and what I am doing is actually me and not somebody else. And I guess maybe that's because you expect when other people are having success and you see it from your side, you can only imagine what they're experiencing. And then when you're the one experiencing it, you're like, hmm, I guess this is cool. I mean, let's face <laughs> it, it's very, very cool. But again, I feel like someone's going to knock on my door and say, oh, we made a mistake. Could we take that award back? We've got to rub your name off and give it to somebody else. The fact is I'm so busy doing what I do and loving what I do that the trappings of success don't mean anything to me. I, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful. It's wonderful. But it's not like that's the goal. I've got to win this award. No. You know, you do what you love. You never work a day in your life. I know everybody has heard that. But the reality is when you're so busy doing what you love, there's no time to think about anything else. And like I always tell people who come to me, they're like, I'd love to be in this business. Do what you do. And I always say, well, number one, you have to want to do this or anything more than breathing. And then the success will follow. And everybody's definition of success is, of course, different. No, absolutely. Everyone has a different definition of success. And I know that you are such a hard worker. Like you work all the time. And it's not really a surprise, frankly, that you're booking as much as you are. Obviously, you didn't set out to win this award thinking, I'm going to work, 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 work as much as I possibly can to get this particular one. It just so happens that you're being recognized for obviously doing all that you have on Voices this past year. That being said, what do you attribute to landing so much work? You have to audition for everything. And I mean, obviously, there are things that are completely outside your wheelhouse that you don't do. But the reality is, and, and here's a, a quick story. When the award came in, my son, who's also a full-time VO on Voices.com, he's nipping at my heels and we compete every day for the same jobs, which is interesting because we also share a studio space. And scheduling time, it's a whole different topic unto itself. But when we talked about the award and he sees it as, you know, a tremendous accomplishment. He's like, I'm going for it next year. I really want to win it. You know, he's 23 years old and he's freshly out of college. He's got his own production company, but he really sees the success of that award and what I do. So through our conversation yesterday, he said, here's what I see when I think about you and success. I see you shuffling through the den in your pajamas with a nasal strip on your nose, going down to the studio at 1130 midnight to do an audition. And I said, well, gee, that really kind of wraps it up in a little ball because that's the reality of it. The folks who are going to win in this business are the ones who are going to do what needs to get done whatever time of day or day of the week it needs to get done. I was in bed, already taking my CBD, already had my, my nighttime pills. I'm going to sleep. But something big came in. It just happened again last night. And there I am, shuffling my way back to the studio. My studio fires up at 6 o'clock in the morning, every morning. 
and it stays hot until 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. It's been that way for years. And as a matter of fact, the folks over at Manly, which is the microphone I use, the Ref C, I spoke to them a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to replace the tube in my mic, and they were curious to know how long I'd been using this particular tube. And I said, well, I gave them the number of hours and the number of years that this microphone is turned on, and they were like, yeah, you should have changed that tube a long time ago. So I use my equipment. They are the tools in my tool belt to get things done. But the success is doing the things that others don't do, that others won't do. There's no such thing as, as a weekend. And it's interesting because when I was relatively new in the business, working from home, which I've done for so many, many years, back before I worked from home, I used to have to drag into Manhattan to do auditions. I mean, it was totally not cost-effective or time-effective to run into Manhattan to go do a couple of auditions. It's only 30 miles away, but taking public transportation or driving in, I lose three hours out of my day easily, and it was only an audition. And we know what the numbers are like, the likelihood of booking, it was slim, but that's what you did. Anyway, so I, I know I went off on a tangent there, and I forget why I talked about going into the city. So you may have to reel me back in. Where, which way was I headed here? We were talking about what it takes to book as much work as you do. So you might say, like, you kind of uh, do a lot to the exclusion of other things, like, but you've got your mic on from this time to this well, time. Like, oh, my goodness. Well, here's the other crazy thing. Before you folks had an app that would enable folks to audition in a mobile scenario, I figured out how to do it early, early on. And that's one of the reasons that James and Penny flew me out to Los Angeles to talk about that success rate and how I'm able to do as many auditions as I'm able to do. And this was funny because a couple of days after that event, I got a phone call from, I guess it was Sweetwater. I'm not plugging them, but it was from Sweetwater. They had received a phone call from somebody who was trying to figure out how to be able to do an audition while driving. What? And I said, no, please call that person back. Let them know I never, ever, ever would do that. I've auditioned while someone else is driving. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to write a book on the places I've auditioned because it's it's very comical. But I said, please, no, that's that's not what I was speaking about. You have to pull over if you're going to do an audition. You're the only one in the car. But it was funny to, to hear that somebody in the audience was actually listening to what I was saying because I was such an early adopter of mobility as equipment became smaller and cheaper. I used to carry this red backpack with me every place I went with a mobile hotspot and a laptop and my interface for the microphone, a pair of headphones, and it went everywhere and it was called the crash bag because I was always prepared because I had to win. That's just my mentality. I have to be that first audition in. I'm going to book that job. It's for me. And I've had to learn how to not be upset when you don't book a job. It was never yours in the first place. So if you didn't book it, move on. A lot of psychology goes into being a VO, that's for sure. Yeah, so be, being mobile, an early adopter, Centrance Corporation, uh, hugely responsible for my early success. I was with them last week at the headphone show in New York, Can Jam. We talked about some new equipment that they have coming out that's going to make my mobile auditions even better. And they're going to kind of use me as a test dummy to see how some of this stuff works. But back when they only had one product that would let me plug my 416 in and use a computer on the road, I mean, this was eye-opening. People weren't doing this. This didn't exist. I go back to the days of Edge Studio in Manhattan where we recorded everything on tape. 
I was an early student. I still had hair. I was skinny. But that's where my formal training began. And it was a totally, totally different business back then. Nobody had a home studio. The internet didn't really exist. And it was from, from where I was then to where things are now, anybody who wants to get into this business and be successful, all the tools are available and inexpensive. It really comes down to the level of passion that anybody has to want to succeed. And you can because it's, it's not, hey, you have a great voice. No, it's really not about the voice. It's about what you do with your voice. And of course, becoming a bit of an audio engineer, you, which you must be to succeed nowadays, you put all that together and business acumen, which you absolutely must have, and you can win at this. I still can't believe that I'm having the success I have. I mean, if I go a day or two without a booking, I start freaking out. I start shaking like I'm going through withdrawal. That's just the DNA that I'm made up of at this point. And my son, who's been doing it really since age seven, it just kind of got into his bloodstream. I never pushed him into this business or pulled him or recommended it or anything like that. He just liked where he saw things going. And he started young and he stayed with it. And now he is, I think, according to um, Kyle over at Voices.com, one of the fastest rising stars in the business. And he's on my tails. And I got to tell you something. <laughs> I'm proud of him, but it's scary at the same time. He's been on your tail, though, for a while. I know you've yeah, been talking to me about your, your son for a number of years, just how he, uh, you know, he would get the attention of different casting people and even, I think, maybe talent agents, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's got talent and, you know, obviously it, he's learning it. It's both by nurture and nature, I would say, in your house. Yeah, absolutely. And my other son, who's just turned 17, he's more to engineering, but has an interest and has also done work in the voice industry. Wow, that is so awesome. So yeah, like I think a lot of people uh, listening may actually have a family link too to voiceover, like their kids are starting to do it or they're a husband-wife team and, and they're doing voiceover. It can be, it, you can involve like your whole family if you'd like and join as a, a premium member. So I guess that we're, we're getting close for one of your boys and, and your other son's already there. So that's awesome. And um, I was just thinking about when you mentioned your manly mic, that there's another Don LaFontaine connection in there, isn't there? There is. And unfortunately, I never got to meet Don or spend time with him. But through the folks that he used to work with, that is that indirect link because they are now in my circle of influence. Joe Cipriano, an amazing voice talent. We get to spend time together and talk. I haven't seen him in a long time either. Of course, COVID being responsible for so much of that. George Whittem, another one. You know, George used to set up studio space for Don. And George Whittem, who is incredible, and Dan Leonard, you know, you, you run into trouble with your recording setup or you're setting yourself up. These are the guys that are going to get you out of hot water. I mean, I've been in a session where things just turned to poop and I had to quickly reach out and say, help. I mean, I'm good, but let's face it, the technology is deep and you've got to have somebody in your tool belt, if you will, to help you cross that finish line so that ultimately your client is happy. That's the ultimate goal in all of this is happy clients. Because if the client ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. Is talent often wonder, like, how do I know if I'm successful? And it's like, well, are people hiring you? Are they liking what you're doing? <laughs> are they rehiring you, right? So 
that's often the best feedback you can get because, yeah, because um, yeah, clients and, and you know, because you do so many auditions that it is not the responsibility of a client to let you know that they liked your audition and they thought you were awesome, but they're not going to work with you. You know, like they don't have time for that. It's just like how you're putting in your effort in certain ways, right? But sometimes people do. And it amazes me, like you didn't book the job and you'll get a message through the system telling you we've gone another direction. Oh, okay, great. And if, if they've had like 100 responses, obviously they've only hired one, maybe two-person job, they're sending everybody a message that they didn't get the job. Mm. And it's funny because you get all excited when you see you got a message through system, hey, I guess I got hired. No, you didn't get hired. Because, you know, traditionally they reach out when they hire you and you hear nothing when you don't get hired. And sometimes you want to say, hey, don't waste your time. Just reach out to the person that you hired. The people that didn't get the job don't want to know they didn't get the job. They'll figure it out. But some people are very kind that way, and they feel like they're doing you a service by letting you know you didn't book the job. So you go with it. No, absolutely. But I think that that would be the, the minority of clients, would you say? Like, you're certainly not hearing from everybody that way. It's a very small group of people that will tell you you did not book it. Okay, so gear is really important, as you've mentioned. It's so critical that every piece of that signal chain is just working really well for you. We've talked about your Manly. I know you have a couple of other microphones in your studio as well. What are those ones? I do have a Neumann U87. Wow. And a TLM-103. I actually built the business on the TLM-103. I'll never forget. I think I had six guitars at the time, and I traded them all in to buy a microphone so I could get really serious about the business. I've also got three 416s, um, one that travels with me every place I go, one that's in the booth, and the third one, I guess, is just kicking around as a backup. See, the way my studio is set up, I've got my control room and I've got my booth. But the control room is just as treated as the booth is. As a matter of fact, there's a little bit more air because it's a larger space, so I prefer to record in the control room, and that's where the Manly lives. So 99.9% .9 of all my work is done on the Manly. Well, that's really neat. So obviously you, you have a great relationship with your Manly mic and, and various other microphones in your stable there. But I'm just wondering about your room. You've mentioned, okay, so you've got your recording studio where you do most, you know, the recordings, but then you've got the control room, which you've equally treated and, you know, slightly bigger and what have you just said. Now, do either of those rooms have a name? Studio A. Oh. The whole place is just called Studio A. And the reason it's called that is because we are ultimately going to build a new mirrored image of Studio A. And guess what we're going to call it? Studio B. Nice. Where my son can actually have his space to operate out of simultaneously. So we don't have to share because the reality is we're both so busy that it's complicated sharing a space. We use what's called the, the two audition system. Very complicated. When things come in, I'll sit and do two auditions. I get up out of the seat. He does the same auditions. He'll do two. I do two. You know, two for me, two for you, two for me, two for you. So that, I mean, I've always believed that time being so critical because very often the voice is the last piece of a puzzle in a project that they want it right away. So being one of the first people in on an audition is critical. And it's been so instilled in my son by watching me do it that I can't say, ah, oh, you just sit there and wait till I'm done with all my auditions. No. We jump in and out and back and forth. It's, it's a rhythm that makes this thing work. The, uh, so Studio A will soon have a Studio B. We're just trying to kind of figure out where it's going to live. 
Um, we're thinking about putting a whole addition onto the house, to tell you the truth, where it, it just may have to happen that way. You know, it's one, it's one of the things that you have to be prepared for success. Nobody saw this coming the way it has arrived. We all hoped it would, and here it is. But when I started this business, I didn't have a, a real studio space. I had a closet like so many people do because clothing is wonderful for isolation. And I did, oh boy, let me go, let me really go back because I had the 416, no, I didn't have the 416, I had the TLI 103. That was it. That's the only mic I had. And I'd go into the closet and I would handhold it and I would record on a Zoom H4 because the Zoom H4 had phantom power. So I was able to record the auditions. Then I would come out, I would pull out the SD card, stick it into not just a laptop, but it was back then they used to make these micro laptops. They were really small, but that's what I had. So I had to make it work and I would stick it into the computer and I would edit it on free software, Audacity, right? Because I didn't have the money for it to, to buy real software or even know how to operate it. But that's how I built the business. And I wouldn't book anything, audition after audition, it was driving me insane. And I was like, okay, I got to build some kind of a studio. And we have an office in the house and I put a desk in there next to my wife's desk and I took two doors and I hinged them together so they could freestand, covered them with, with soundproofing, had them real close in so that there was really not a lot of echo in the room. And that's, again, same chain of events, except now I had a space to work in. And again, really not booking anything. I was like, I need a booth. I have to get me one of those booths because I know that's going to make the difference. You know, when we're building these, these VO businesses, we're like, if I can only have this microphone and, and this preamp and this and that, I'll be able to book more work. I'll be more successful. Well, we all know. And if you don't know, your success is not really directly related to your equipment. You can have the best equipment in the world and you can stink as a VO. Coaching is very, very, very important. Everybody has a coach. Every professional athlete who is succeeding has a coach. So I truly, truly believe in coaches, but we can go into that in a minute. So now here I am with these two doors that I'm sitting with and, and it was time to get a booth. I had actually reached out to Whisper Room and I didn't have the money to buy a Whisper Room or really a place to put it. They turned me on to somebody who had a business that had about eight booths their business had failed. It was a karaoke business where these custom-built whisper rooms had two rooms in them, one for the computer and one where you would insert a credit card and the door would open up and you could go in and there was a screen and you could do karaoke and it would be recorded and a CD would pop out. That's how you get your recording. Business had failed a few years earlier. They had all these booths, this company, and they were selling them off. This was somewhere in Ohio. So I had this thing trucked over. I think I paid $800 for it. And it came in in the middle of winter on a flatbed truck on my little little street. There's an 18-wheeler with a liftgate on the back, and the liftgate is frozen. So they can't use that to lower the panels, and these are heavy panels. Somehow we shift all these panels out of the truck into the back of my car to drive them up the hill. I live on a very steep, long hill of a driveway. And then they sat in my garage for about six months until I figured out how I was going to configure them. Because since it was a custom job, it wasn't going together like a typical whisper room. But I got it together. It lived in my garage. So now my business is living inside a four by four whisper room. That's everything. Speakers, computer, interface, lighting, no air conditioning, 
summertime. It was well over 100 degrees in that booth. And I would sit on a stool, get as naked as I possibly could so that I wouldn't melt. And that's how I started things really going. And again, I'm auditioning my brains out and nothing, nothing, nothing. I was like, I got to get me some coaching. And I'm reading books and I'm speaking to people and nothing is happening. And then things just all of a sudden start to happen as you develop your skills and your talents. The next thing you know, you have clients. Like I look back now and, and Stephanie, maybe this is something you can help me with. I want to be able to go back and find the first audition I sent on Voices.com. I'm dying to hear what that sounds like. It's It's got to be somewhere in the system, I'm assuming. Oh, wow. That is a, I've never had anyone ask me that before. You know, can I please find my first audition submitted through Voices? So that would have been sometime in 20, or 2009, right? So I think customer service might be able to help you with that, but that would be really interesting to see kind of a, where I was then versus where I am now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know that stuff I did last week sounds different from stuff I've done today. And it's just nice to hear the progression in your delivery, your style, your equipment, what it sounded like then, where you're at today. I mean, I've been through a myriad of preamps, that's for sure. And a bunch of microphones, which they're all still here. Everything I've worked on, I will never sell off a microphone because all of a sudden a client comes to you for a pickup on something you did two years ago on a particular microphone. You're like, aha. And I used to keep notes and I, I really still should, but there's consistency in my gear now, so it's not as important. But I used to keep notes on every job I did, what preamp I used, what microphone I used, what the weather was like the day that I recorded it, how I was feeling. Because consistency being such a huge thing, I wanted to make sure that customer support, which is so important to me, was really there. And when clients come to me for a job, they always, always, always come back for another. I've got my dailies. I've got my weeklies, I have my monthly people, I have my once-a-year people, but they always come back. It's rare that a client is unhappy and leaves to go to another voice talent. And I'm proud to say that because customer service is so much of it. It's difficult, and it's a whole topic unto itself. One of the big things for me is fast turnaround time. If I get hired for a job, unless I'm in session or I'm just physically not here, then I will make sure I turn it around as quickly as I possibly can. But sometimes when you turn it around too fast for someone, unless they say we need this in two minutes, if you just turn it around fast, because for me, I need to keep my board as clear as possible because I don't know what's coming in next. So I try and get things out quick. Sometimes the clients are like, hmm, that was too quick. Can't be that good. I'm going to ask for a retake. And again, experience will teach you Sometimes just hold back a little bit. You've got time to do it, do it, put it to the side. Don't send it out right away because invariably the psychology there is, eh, he probably could have done a better job if he took more time. <laughs> so again, it's its own topic as far as how you handle situations like that with clients and things like retakes and, and consistency in your retakes. You know, I, uh, the, the shoehorning that I do daily because somebody changed out a word, you've got to be able to do that for a client. To rely on somebody else to do your engineering will slow down your chain tremendously. You know, you've got to get them in, get them out, and move on to the next, all while treating your client with white glove service. Because if you don't treat your clients well, guess what? 
they ain't coming back. No, they won't. <laughs> it's very true. Now, I want to touch on something that when you were talking about consistency and how your clients are repeat clients, they come back and you document what the weather's like and, and any other, I guess, pertinent details about how you prepare for the session. Does some of that include what you ate or when you woke up or what you're drinking? Oh, yes. The eating and the drinking. I've had scenarios where I'll have lunch before a session too close to the session and I'll end up having to sit in session with a pillow over my stomach because it's just gurgling away and that's not what they paid for. Unless they did, that's fine. So absolutely, what I eat, when I ate it, how much of it I ate, what I drank. Time of day is usually important. For instance, if I'm doing something where there's shouting involved, I make sure I do sessions like that at the very end of the day before I'm done because to put that strain on the vocal cords and then go ahead and do something that has to sound delicious. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. work. No, absolutely. Like you, you want to preserve your voice as best you can. And I know that there's certain voiceover work in particular that does exhaust the voice more than others. Certainly um, video game voiceovers, for instance, a a lot of those tend to be, uh, or character work even, right? Like character work can, can be taxing depending, right? Very, very. And since I really do everything, it's important to know what time of day I sound better on certain things. And I try and schedule accordingly. And the, lo- the number of live sessions has just really gone through the roof with COVID. And it's real important to make sure that I can give them what they need, knowing how my body is at certain times of day. It's something people need to pay attention to as talent that very often they don't until all of a sudden they realize, oh, maybe I should have. Mm-hmm. Live and learn, as we say. Yeah. So early in the morning, um, just while we're on this tangent, do you do certain kinds of voice work that you wouldn't do, say, middle of the day? Like I've heard of a, a fellow who can do kind of like the the Sam Elliott type voice. And, and essentially, like he does it first thing in the morning when he wakes up because that's like where Sam is most apparently in his voice. And it's very more gruff, right? Like, is there a certain time of day that you only do a kind of voice work that your clients ask for? It's funny you mentioned that because the past couple of days... On site, there have been a lot of requests for Sam Elliott sound. And for me, it's very early in the morning before all the phlegm is cleared out of my voice or the very end of the day when I'm tired and I'm pushing to get it out. Not in the middle of the day. The middle of the day is really e-learning, commercial work. Anything that requires a, a thick, syrupy type of sound is early or late. Mm-hmm. Like when you have the core of your voice is the strongest, basically, right? Like when you your money voice is, is uh, at its peak and its prime when it's warmed up, that sort of thing. That's why you, you pop those ones in there? Sometimes it's warmed up to the point where I'm so relaxed that it's a better delivery for that particular client. I can get more of the depth. The My, my vocal cords are, are ratty. And you've got to know. You've got to know where your voice places on different times of the day. And I encourage people to go back and listen to things they've done and kind of be aware of when they were recorded. Because your instrument, and let's face it, the voice is an instrument. You've got to know how to play that instrument. And that involves when, and that involves how, and how to care for it. You know, I, there's no smoking. There is drinking, not to excess, but the drinking also really does affect how I sound. I mean, there are some, sometimes I have no choice with a session. I've got to go into it with a sound that I know I can achieve. And sometimes it may involve some tequila. I'm not promoting drinking here. Okay. 
But again, it, it, it's just one of the tools in the tool belt, and it's a pretty big, heavy tool belt that I wear to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just thinking about your voice's profile right now, and you have like, it's crazy how many demos you have. You have 77 demos on your profile. So like you've made- That's a- crazy. <laughs> did, you, did you even know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, it just things just kind of build. You know, that's, and that, that's like, again, imposter syndrome. Like, I, I'm like, well, how did I win this award? I don't know. How do I have so many clients? I don't know. Friday rolls around and you guys pay me and it's a lot of money. And I'm like, how did that happen? I don't know because I'm not concentrating on it. That's how I don't know. It's become a knee jerk. Everything I do just happens automatically. It's like in the DNA now. I can't change it. I just, it's like walking. You don't think about it. When you think about it, you can't walk. Otherwise, I'm just walking. Yeah. So a lot of talent think there's, oh, well, there must be some strategy behind what he's doing. There must be some, you know, secret special thing I can also do. But if you're saying that you don't have a demo strategy, or at least that's what it kind of sounds like, and totally correct me if I'm wrong, like, um, it, like, cause you've, you've got so many up there, you would almost think, okay, well, was he thinking I need so many of this kind? I need so many of that sort of read that I do. And, and this medium of voiceover, like just, I don't know. Like, I guess as, when you put your demos up, I guess, what it, what is the process you go through to do that? If it's something that I'm proud of, it's a good piece. The client loved it. It sounds amazing. I'll put it up. What you're hearing with my demos are live working pieces. If I were to really stop and fashion my business the way I know I should with proper demos, I would be even more successful. I know that. But I come from that school of thought where it's, it's run and gun. Here's the audition. Bang. Get it out. Hopefully you book it. The other stuff, if you will, the window dressing. You know, I've, I've done lectures at voice events that were really around working in the trenches because that's really how I work. It's down and dirty. It's inexpensive jobs, small budgets, pain in the neck clients. Yes, they're all out there. This is how you build the business is working in the trenches. But I've never come out of the trenches. I've never stopped being that guy where things are down and dirty. I'm accessible to my clients 24-7. In the time we've been on this call, I can't tell you how many people have reached out. And yes, I've responded. You aren't even aware. The only thing I haven't done to interrupt us is auditions. But I interrupt lots of things in life to do auditions, okay? My wife is used to sitting in restaurants alone for a little while because... I had to run out to the car and audition. When I bought the new car, I had to make sure that it was a great sound booth on wheels. How oh well goodness. does this, absolutely, how well does this car sound? And I can tell you that the Mazda, what the heck model do we have? The CX-9 is wonderful for recording. I, I mean, I, I've done sessions out of that car parked next to a highway where the sound is not coming in from the road. So it's hugely important stuff like that. It's down and dirty. That's where you build your bones, and that's where you learn what makes a success in this business. Uh, You know what? Let me quickly give you a day in the life because I think people probably want to know that. Um, It's early to bed, first of all, and that's not by choice. That's just because I'm exhausted. So if I'm in bed by 9 o'clock and I'm out by 10 o'clock, great. The problem is I'm up early. I mean, we're talking like 5 o'clock early. Studio's on at 6 a.m. So anything that's come in audition-wise or that needs to be taken care of from overnight, I take care of while I'm still in my bathrobe. 
That gets done. Breakfast for my son. He's out the door to school. I hop up onto the Peloton. I do my ride, get it out of the way, lift my weights because physical health is hugely important to success in this business. So I get the, the exercise out of the way, hit the shower, grab some breakfast, take my handful of morning pills and vitamins, and I'm back in the booth before 9 a.m., ready to really tackle the day. And my son's routine is virtually the same. He's up early and he's in here with me. With rare exception, if he's had a very late night, which he may have, he's in here a little bit later. But that gives me the freedom to do what I've got to get done. Because remember, auditions are coming in right through the night. It's a 24-7 business. So now I start grinding through the auditions that came in overnight and I triage them based on what needs to get done right away. The private auditions are the first things that I hit. Then you look at the dollar amounts. You also look at how deep it is, how many other responses are there. You take all that into account and how well you match up and you just start banging through the auditions. Now, between auditions and bookings, that's how the rest of the day goes. It's just boom, boom, boom. Sometimes there is no break for lunch just because you can't get to it. But it's a real go, go, go scenario in here. And I remember the days when it wasn't like that. I didn't have any bookings coming in. I didn't have any clients. I didn't have as many auditions. And I remember way back when, when I was not a platinum member, I was just your, your typical run-of-the-mill member level. And I was having success and making great money. And I saw somebody at one of the, the, the voice events. And they said to me, well, you're, you're platinum, right? And I said, no, not platinum. I'm, I guess it's premium uh, was the level. And there was a lot of head scratching. Well, how, how the heck is he so successful? And he's not even a platinum member. And that's when, when David was like, well, you know, maybe we should talk about going to platinum, David being your husband. And um, I mean, this is back when we used to get together for meetings in Manhattan at the Waldorf Astoria. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and we would talk things through about the business. I mean, it's changed so dramatically. And taking time to have those conversations helped to build my business and your business. And it's just all good. I mean, heck, I, I just love, love, love what I do. If I couldn't do what I do, I'm not equipped to do anything else. And I only say that because I don't have the passion for anything else the way I do for this. I mean, I started as a kid. I think I was seven years old. My dad brought home a cassette recorder. Wow, what is that? Well, you could record your voice on this. And I started playing right away with my voice, studied communications in college, worked for all the networks going through there, and then decided that I needed to make money because I just wasn't. And I went the route of being in the jewelry industry for 25 years. But the whole time while I was not full-time VO, I was still doing VO. Anything that involved voice, radio work, DJ work, I was there. I wanted to use my God-given talent that I never saw, but other people did. And I eventually got to a point where I said, gee, you know, now that we've got the internet and, and you can audition online, it's become acceptable. When I said, I think I can really make a go of this. And I still had a job. And I'll never forget, I left the jewelry industry to go work in a broadcasting-related company that made manufacture, they manufactured the furniture for broadcast control rooms. And I went to work for them figuring, well, I can sidestep kind of back into the world of broadcasting. I worked for them for a few weeks and then they fired me. And at that moment, I was like, wow, now I'm a full-time VO. 
And in my first month, I was able to make the kind of living that I said, gee, I should have done this a long time ago. And I never looked back, and I just kept going from there. I still don't look back. So when you when you mention how many things I have up there, how many demos for people to listen to, I'm like, what? I'm like, that's that's insane. And every once in a while, I sit there and I look at my reviews on the site just to make me feel good about myself when I'm not having a great day. And I read these reviews, and I'm like, holy crap, who are they talking about? <laughs> and and I'm like, well, that's that's me. But again, that's the imposter syndrome that I suffer from where I just, I don't see the success. I'm more concerned with making sure that my clients are happy. I'm making the kind of income I need to support my family, which I have to say, it's a heck of a lifestyle. And most people think that, you know, you you must take time off. Like, well, I do. Family is very, very, very important. And doing what I do, I've always had the ability while my kids were young in public school, to be here when they came home from school and to be around more than most parents were because I was always and still am always here. So even though I'm busy and even though I may walk out of theaters and restaurants and sporting events to take care of business, I'm getting so much more quality time with my family than other people do who have the nine to five grinds, who aren't there. So yeah, I work a ridiculous number of hours of week, but to me a week, but it's not it's not like work to me. It's like playtime to me. I get so excited to sit in front of the microphone. That's my happy place. You know, my manly is my best friend because it's 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 always here and I'm always using it. It's it's wonderful that I get to do what I do and that voices.com enables me to do what I do. I've had agents, I still have a couple, but the reality is nothing is as effective as online casting. And the way you have built this, and I have seen it evolve over the years from what it was to what it is and where it's going, and it just, it blows my mind that this is it. This is my primary source of income, and when something goes wrong, which is so rare, if all of a sudden the system's down for maintenance, I freak out. I'm like, what? What do you mean? What? What? There's work to be done. But again, it doesn't, it's such a rare instance. You know, I I find that the format is really so rock solid for me. Portability, man. It's just go, go, go. You know, out for lunch, audition comes in, I do it. Now, here's one of the other things you should know, that that speed has enabled me to become the voice for emergency broadcasts for various municipalities across the country here in the U.S., where within five minutes of them sending me a script for hurricane warnings, storm warnings, ice, boil your water announcements, whatever it is, it all comes to me and they instantly get it returned back. And working in that emergency environment has also put me in a position where there's a possible Emmy on the horizon, which again, I'm like, what? How is that possible? Yet, you know, the Emmy nomination, which is being put together, I don't even, I don't know, I don't know where it's at. They'll let me know when it happens, right? Awards are nice. I'm not an award guy, but They're nice. They're cool. I'm learning to appreciate and enjoy them. But that's one of the reasons is that my speed and run and gun and working in the trenches has given me that opportunity. And they count on me for emergency announcements 24-7. During hurricane season, I don't shut my studio down when I go to sleep at night. It's on and it's ready to go. And the phone is under the pillow so that if they do need me, it's the middle of the night. They reach out. 
and it may take closer to four or five, maybe 10 minutes to shake it out before I sound decent. But depending on what the emergency situation is, I'm ready to go. So, you know, the, the places and things that VO has taken me and that teaches me, I had a client that flew me down to Texas. This was right before the pandemic began. They had to have a session in person in Texas. I'm like, well, that's so unusual because everything's done remote. You know, we can do a Source Connect session. That'd be great. Nope, everybody has to be in the studio to do this job. And it was awesome. I'd never been down to Texas, and I got to enjoy Texas a little bit. It's just, it, I don't know. It's the coolest thing. You get me going, and I don't know how to stop. You could try, at least. Yeah, David, it sounds like you you really haven't forgotten where you've come from in the beginning of your career. You do so much of this on your own. I'm impressed, frankly, that you don't have an assistant or that you're not working with some kind of um, a studio to do your editing or something like that. But wow. I did for a little while. little while. I did, uh, you know, when, when things were starting to get incredibly busy, Jen Henry, who's now a VO, but at the time I think she only was doing editing, I was farming my editing out to allow me to get more work and more auditions done. And the reality was, if my ears, and she did a great job, but if my ears weren't on everything that went out to a client, I wasn't happy. So for me, sending editing out was a bit of a problem. I was like, it's got to it's gotta come through my ears. So I stopped doing that, and I, yeah, I do it all, and I have no assistant. I actually do it all myself, which, you know, working at this pace in this clip is what keeps me skinny. No, absolutely. And I know that you need to desperately get back to your studio. I think I might have heard a notification go off at one point. Could have been my computer, could have been yours, but I'm pretty sure it was yours because you were just so in demand. Now, um, before we go, David, I'd like to be able to give people um, maybe some contact information for you if you would be open to it. When we were talking earlier, you said you don't coach, but you do like to advise. So uh, would you like to share how we can get a hold of you if someone has a question? Yeah, if somebody in the community, and we really are a community, has any questions, you can always shoot me an email at voice1, that's the number one, voice1 on the run at verizon.net. And I'm more than happy to answer questions. As far as coaching goes, Maurice Tobias is an amazing coach, hard to get a hold of. I don't know how much session, coaching session she's been doing or up to, but I try and do at least a once a year weekend event with her because being that she's not a voice talent, she is just a director, wonderful, wonderful director. I also like to work with Mark Cashman and read his book, by the way. His book gives more tips than you can possibly imagine that are so, so helpful. As a matter of fact, I did coaching with him just a couple of nights ago. Oh, good. And it, it reminded me why I'm not a coach. <laughs> and it was the type of session where people would read scripts and he would critique them. And I'm the worst because I would hear somebody read something. And if I were coaching, my reaction to what they read, they'd never want to work with me again as a coach. Yet he, he's so good at what, at what he does that it's and, – and again, it's crucial to have a good coach. No, absolutely. And you've mentioned some some great ones there. I know um, other people who have worked with Maris Tobias and have said voice whisperer, that sort of thing, kind of more on the, I don't know if it's the psychological aspect of voiceover. It seems that there's um, some to that from what I've heard. But then um, Mark, very, very specific with actionable tips, very tactical, just an impressive guy all around. I love Mark Cashman. Would love to see him again soon whenever um, all our travel opens up. But yeah, I, I think this is a great interview that we've had here, David. And your time is is obviously quite precious. And, and I know that there are 
there are sacrifices you're making by being on this show. But thank you so much for being here and for sharing with everybody. Um, it's just a real great pleasure to speak with you again. Same here. It's a pleasure to spend some time with you. I'm happy to share my knowledge base and speak with people. And you're right. Lots of things are happening while we've taken time to, to be on this, this call together. But it's important for me to also give back because, you know, I came from nothing in this business. Nobody said, hey, you need to speak to this person, that person, do this, do that. I had to figure it all out on my own. So it is important to give back. And again, I won't do it through coaching because nobody would want to work with what I have to say. <laughs> but I'm always happy to give some direction and certainly give some advice to anybody who needs it. And thank you and David for what you have built that truly is the engine that enables me to do what I do. Yeah, thank you, David. Like just such kind words. And it's been so wonderful to work with you over these more than a decade now and to be part of your life as well. You know, everybody, that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. I want to thank you for listening and for being part of our community here at Voices. And thank you again to our special guest, David Kaplan, for making time to visit with us today. So if you like what you heard, be sure to share the show with all your friends. Share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you post your posings. And if you would like to give us a feedback rating or review, then you know where to go. Go to wherever you get your podcast, leave a five-star rating and a comment, and be sure to join the conversation. Use the hashtag VoxTalk on your socials and let us know what you thought of the show. So I'm Stephanie Cicerelli for Voices. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm.